Also, I've never broken a bone. That's another. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember when I broke both, when I had both my wrists broken at the same time? Yes, I do. But then I'm thinking not, let's make it about me some more. Maybe I'm, (laughs) maybe I'm unbreakable. Like maybe I'm Bruce Willis. Ooh. Hello, friends, and welcome to uh, I don't know some ep- some late episode in, two- in season two of Soul <laughs> Poetry. Um, I've lost count, and I uh, was going to check before the episode started, but I was like, eh, I can fix that later. Um, so I would like to kick off this episode um, with an apology. I'm sorry that I've been on hiatus for the last two months. Um, I can get into some reasons as to why that happened uh, potentially in this episode. I might do an addendum. I don't know. But uh, I apologize for being away. Um, to make up for that, I will have uh, two guests in um, August and two in September. Um, so it's not going to be a guest and then just me by myself. Um, so I'm going to try to to backload at the end of season two and then on October start fresh with season three. Um, but yeah, so this is this is a first for me uh, because I am recording with my dear dear friend Shannon McCaleb, who is currently you're you're in Oregon, right? Yeah, Eugene, Oregon. Okay, so I um, this is my very first podcast recording with someone who is not physically in the same space that I'm in. Um, and I'm using a, uh, I guess it's an app technically, I guess. I'm not really sure what to call it. It's some sort of like browser, browser, uh, Google Chrome browser app called Zencaster. Um, so if there's anything hinky that, that happens, um, I'm going to blame it on Zencaster. I'm sorry, guys. I will throw you under the bus (laughs) without a second thought. Um, but yeah, so, um. As, as alluded to, or as, as said in the cold open, um, I'm not entirely sure how, how much of that I'm going to keep. Um, I've known Shannon for almost 25 years. We met in kindergarten. Um, and aside from my family, she has been, I think, the only, or the, the next longest held continuous relationship um, in my life, which is kind of wild that we're still we're still friends and we're still talking um because we we've changed a lot since since kindergarten Um, yeah well as one does right yes you know going (laughs) going from five to almost 30 um yeah that's true (laughs) i don't know but i i don't like i don't know if this happens to you or not but there will be many times where I'll just be doing something in the middle of the day, and then I, I suddenly I re remember that I've known you for such a long time, and then like it's like it's like shit. I've known Shannon for such a long time. Shit, I've known her for like twenty five years. Holy crap! <laughs> it's I'm like almost your whole life. Shit. Yeah, like I, <laughs> and it's like all these all these other things start like creeping out from the knowledge that we met in kindergarten. Um, that totally but, happens to me too. It's weird, right? And and the fact that like I, Jen and I were talking um, 
over Facebook Messenger, which will only serve to, to uh, drive my, my point home more, that uh, we live in a really, like, batshit crazy time. Um, the fact that, like, Facebook is a thing that I can instantly communicate with Shannon via text over the internet, and then I can send her a link to this website that she can, like, you know, log on to, and then we can talk with a, it's essentially a crazy fucking high-tech telephone conversation that I can record and then post on the internet for other people to listen to. And it's just like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. It's so, like, it's, it's so wild. And like, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And I, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could do half the things that I do now without all this technology, but it's one of those like, um, oh crap, I don't remember, I don't know who this is attributed to, but the whole idea of, like, when things get so technologically advanced that the mo the majority of people won't understand what it is, and for them, it's functionally magic. Um, I feel like, for me, I'm on the, ver like, the very edge of that sort of, like, I don't understand how any of this shit works anymore, <laughs> I'm just gonna call it, you know, it's just, it's magic to me. It's like, I, I appreciate that other people know how, to, how it works and what it is, but it's like, ah, I'm going to stick with making books and tearing paper because <laughs> that totally. makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how any of it works. I'm just, it's so crazy to think like I, when we were kids, you know, like we didn't have the internet. Right. <laughs> like it's just crazy. It's, and now it's like, so you can't function without it kind of like, how did we ask for directions <laughs> when we were kids? Know. Like, I, or, or like we, my... even, like, in high school, like, the internet was, like, a thing, but there was no Wi-Fi. So, like, right. we used to, like, print out MapQuest directions. Yes. Like, like, I, I had a map that. in I would my have... car until, like, 2010. So. I would have, like, six or seven sheets of, of MapQuest directions hanging out on my passenger. Uh, oh, yeah. My, my passenger seat just to try to figure out. And, like, God help me if they got somehow out of order i would be <laughs> fucked um, no but actually it's like I've, I've been looking into getting a new phone because mine's um some apps are not loading properly and like google maps is taking you know it's like it's deciding to be like oh you need to go this way oh i'm gonna route you i'm gonna be stuck on the screen for for six minutes and then i'm just gonna randomly close good luck <laughs> hope um, you get there in one piece right but just thinking that, like, I, I remember when I upgraded from an an unsmartphone to a smartphone and just the sort of, like, I could have been doing all of this stuff years beforehand. Yeah. Like, I, I joined Instagram, like, earlier this year. Like, maybe, like, a month or two. No, eh, maybe, like, three <laughs> months ago. Um, and I'm like, I could have been, I could have been doing this for years. Yeah. And it was just, like, never... Never like I didn't have a Facebook until I was in uh, college. Well, that's because you couldn't have a Facebook back then, unless you had no, a college think, email address. No, I think I think in my, in our senior year it changed because I definitely had friends, or maybe they had gotten. Because I, I remember know, I my had... friends like the year before me were like, "Oh, we're joining this cool new thing called Facebook." Um, and I wanted to join and they were telling me like, no, you can't because you don't have a college email, you know, it's for college kids only. And I was like, well, shit, I have a whole year of high school left. 
Um, yeah. But I just I remember like my first year of college, like it would being all all my college friends, you know, like all people I knew in college, and like all the groups were like college related and yeah. stuff. So. And it's it's and weird now to it's think like that... eight year olds have Facebook. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like it's weird to think that we that our generation. Um, I guess we're technically millennials. I don't. I don't know where we fall in into that. But to be to be the generation to grow up with like no internet and then some internet and then internet everywhere and like the un, like the transitions of Facebook, of like yeah. back when it was just like just a college thing and then it was like oh we're gonna let anybody join and then suddenly like, you know like I'm fielding friend requests from family members i'm like ah, this is a this is a weird oh i don't know what to do with this i have to literally like curate who sees what posts <laughs> <laughs> just because i have so many people that you know family and stuff that i'm like they will probably not like this post so then i have yeah. to you know finagle you used to not ha- you used to not be able to do that <laughs> yeah so how what many world. yeah i but yes, yeah, so all of that being said, um, it's it's ridiculous that that Shan and I are talking through the internet. But I'm so glad that we are because otherwise this podcast episode would not be feasible. Um, and I'm grateful for it because I've wanted to talk to you, Shannon, um, for a long, long time about poetry. Oh, um, thanks, internet. <laughs> so one one good thing that came about all at all of this um yeah so um poetry so poetry um yes which is part of the reason why i named this podcast that um we i th- i feel like you actually started I don't know if seriously is is the correct term or not, but I'll use that in quotes. Uh, seriously writing poetry, I think actually before I did. I least, don't even know the answer your, to that. <laughs> I, well, it was either that or your poems, you were writing actually good poems well long before I was writing poems that I would consider <laughs> good. Um, well, that's flattering. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm curious, um, because I, I don't think that I've ever asked you this, like how, how did that start for you? Like what, um, what brought you to writing, like what brought you to writing in general and then poetry specifically? Oh, um, so I kind of always wrote, I think, um, I had like a journal all through my adolescence um, so mm-hmm. it feels like poetry was a pretty natural progression from, from that. Um, I, I love mm-hmm. to write and I love, I love prose and I love to read. I am a really voracious reader. So I think that kind of propelled me to start, you know, documenting my life in words. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that's pretty normal of, you know, adolescence, you know, to like, I need to write down all of my angst. Um, mm-hmm. so when I got to college, I, uh, had a couple friends who were really, really into poetry. And so, um, I kind of was like, Oh yeah, right. Poetry, whatever. Um, and then I started, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah, well, okay. Um, and then I went to like a couple like slam poetry readings and was like, Oh shit, this is kind of cool. You know, performance art is kind of cool. Oh. And I'm into performance. Um, 
for those of you listeners, I guess, that don't know, I'm an opera singer by trade. So that's Which my... is fucking <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks. Like not only have I known you for, <laughs> for 25 fucking years, but you are a, like a certified fucking opera singer. Like that's, I am certified. That's professional. I got paid this year, so I'm... That's I'm a professional. That's incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. It's actually funny because we've known each other for so long. Like some other people from my past, like that we like some people we have in common. I remember people giving me a hard time, like wanting to sing, and then now it's funny that I'm like I actually do that now. And so people from my past <laughs> yeah. life, I'm like, ha, <laughs> I actually did it. <laughs> Lol. Um, yeah. So I'm into performance art, and so I went to a couple like slam poetry readings and like open mics and stuff um, early in my college experience, and then just like got super into that. Um, and then I started that kind of was like gateway to lots of other types of poetry. Huh. And then I just and then so, I took a class in college, a poetry class. Like a, just a, like a intro poetry workshop yeah. sort of a thing? Yeah, like a huh. level one poetry class. Um, I actually met two of my still best friends in that class. Um, they were, both of them were bridesmaids in my wedding. So I, you know, it brought us together, poetry. Um, and both yeah. of them are incredibly talented and published poets, like by trade now. Um, and so that's awesome. So that kind of like is how I got into it, I guess. Hmm. Just like a love of writing so, and a love of reading. Yeah. But it's it's interesting that you the the performative aspect of it is the thing that drew you in, but yet I if I remember correctly, I mean, I, mean, well, I don't want to assume, but <laughs> you you at least in my experience of the stuff that you've shown me, it seems like it's much more um tailored to like the page versus yeah. like perf performance it is kind of, it is my general style is more definitely more meant to be read with your eyeballs instead of heard mm -hmm. with your ears um but i, I balls, yes. with my earballs i have like one or two poems that i have performed that are like more of that quote slam quote genre um, uh -huh. they're not that, they're not very good. <laughs> like they're, they're very kind of amateur and they sound like some of my favorite slam poets. They like sound kind of like I'm mimicking them and they don't really sound gotcha. like me, but I mean, I love, I still love that art form. I just don't feel like that's really where my strengths are. And I like okay. the way poems look on a page. Like I'm, I like the visual of it. So a lot of that yeah. drives how how my poems read i i like the way they look on the page and i feel like that's important aspect of poetry that a lot of people maybe overlook so that's kind of why oh, yes. i yeah. stick to the page and less about the ears maybe it's because i sing and that's all okay. about the ears and i want to have a different creative outlet outlet oh. that might be why interesting i've literally never had that now, thought before you... until just now <laughs> <laughs> so i've like um for listeners that are out there that don't know this about me, um, I do. I think I've I've mentioned this before, but I I do um, music as my other other main uh, creative outlet, uh, and I've had a lot of people um, either ask or assume that I have turned my either I've turned my poems into lyrics or that I would be very good at writing lyrics because I write poetry. Um, are you? And I, Shannon, what? Are you good at that? 
No, not at all. No, I'm, I'm not either. <laughs> People ask me that all the time. They're like, are you a good songwriter? No. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I said, I was going to, I was going to ask you, and I, for me, it's, it's mostly because, um, like, it's unbelievably difficult for me to sing and play an instrument at the same time. So it's, it's one of those things that like, oh, I'm not instantly good at this. I'm not going to devote any time to, to actually developing these skills. <laughs> um, so it, it, um, and I, when I was, I don't know, like growing up and doing music, um, a lot of my formative years and my formative, formative, um, bands that I listened to were instrumental. So I, I kind of, um, what's the, what's the teeth phrase? Um, the Fuck. teeth phrase. Never mind. It's it's. <laughs> sorry. Um, like you learned. I don't know. I was gonna say you escaped what, by the skin of your teeth, but that makes no sense. No, it's like, it's some, it's some it's something about like te- your teeth and learning that like you you bit your. Oh, you not, cut you your, your teeth. teeth? You, yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, you cut your teeth um, on instrumental music instead of music with words. Yes. So most of what I most of what I play um, and what I create, I tend to lean very heavily to, for in, towards instrumental stuff. Um, but I always, for me, assumed that the the inability of, of doing lyrics, um, like or either turning my poems into lyrics or out and out just writing lyrics, is because it's it's a um, it's much more paired to the voice and much more paired to like the vocal melody line that I'm, I very rarely, if ever think about when I'm playing music, it's more about just, um, I don't know. It's not even really chords. It's just sort of like notes and how they work together. So I was, I was actually roundaboutly going to ask you, Shannon, if, if it was, uh, if one, you could do that or it felt like it was easier for you to do that because you were so much located in like the performance of the voice. Oh my gosh. And no, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. I'm also, I mean, I also think like a lot of that is you have to learn to almost have to learn to improv first, improv your voice and your instrument first, and then improv your words. Oh. I, I Like I'm not saying that's hard and fast. I just noticed that a lot of my friends who have a lot of um, improvisation experience are often very good songwriters because they're not afraid for it to sound huh. like dumb, you know, like, or whatever. Because for me, I get paralyzed right. that I'm like, cool, everyone has said these lonely eyes or, you know, whatever. Like, everyone has said this phrase right. a million times. Um, and so I think, like, yes. some of my favorite song, like, local friends who are songwriters and stuff, some of their pieces, I think, are so good because they have background in sort of just, like, creating a melody and then creating, you know, like the poetry to match the melody. And I feel like I can't marry the two. <laughs> I'm not very good at like huh. marrying melody and words. Yeah. I, I wonder, I wonder if that's a, Oh, also I apologize for any, any soft rustling that is picked up by my microphone. I'm sitting with a pillow on my lap, so I don't, I don't create horrendous posture for myself by like, essentially folding myself in half while recording this. But anyway, um, so I wonder if it's, if it's an issue of that there are some people in their 
their creativeness and their creative process or their creative practice, um, like the music and the melody and the words are like in their brain are connected. And then yeah. for some people, it's like it's the words is is one separate thing, and then the music is another separate thing. Because um, if that's the case, then I feel like you and I would probably fall into the the latter camp, where like it's like the the words are like are there, but they're totally divorced from anything that the music is doing and then vice versa. Yeah, I think, I definitely think there's probably something to that for sure. Yeah. Although when you, so I, um, well, I guess we can get to that later, but when, when you would write poetry, um, did you like what, um, like, I, like what was your smallest unit of whatever it was that you measured your, your lines by or like whatever what was the smallest unit for you of your own personal poetry when you were writing it smallest unit um like how many things are on a line do you mean well like um because they're like i know some people that write um like you know that like some poem like some formal poem is meter like meter yeah, is yeah. the smallest unit so you you get like a sort of assemblage of how many syllables or how many whatevers are in a, in a thing um, for me, when I write poetry, um, I typically use like breaths. Like I'm, my my in lines. Um, uh, like if if I'm writing a stanza, the lines in that stanza will be sometimes they'll be in jam, but most of the time, like the thought kind of ends at the end of the line. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's 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 more a unit of like rhythm and breath for me um as opposed to any any other consideration and i was i was wondering like for you in your poetry what like what was the thing that i guess what was the thing that you were most conscious of for a given line or a given stanza when you were writing it that 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 was the kind of like the unit that you would use to measure things by or if it if it changed from from poem totally to poem. um i do tend to kind of focus on breath and where i want um where I'd like the breath to be. It's almost like my line breaks are almost commas for, for the most part. Mm. Um, not, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say always, um, but I, I do kind of tend to gravitate in that direction um, with, with line breaks being kind of like pa pauses for, for breath or for emphasis. So I do, mm -hmm. I do kind of lean that way. Um, that's not to say I never use punctuation. I don't super love punctuation. Um, I don't love it at the end of lines, really. I don't know why. It's just an aesthetic thing. I have no reason for it. I just hmm. don't really like it. Um, in, in my own poetry, I don't mind reading it. <laughs> but in my own... So you so you would be more inclined to throw a comma into the middle of a line versus having it having like word, comma, and then line break next line. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think some really? of that is huh. is rhythmic for me. Um, uh -huh. I like I like the rhythm of the way the way it sounds. Not I know I said I like uh -huh. the way it looks on the page too, which is true. Um, but I I do think that I like my poems to sound kind of like natural speech almost when read out loud. So okay. I try to make the line breaks kind of reflect which words need special emphasis, etc. 
Right. Like, I don't know if that really yeah. makes quite a lot of sense, but. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. Um, who gives a shit about our listeners, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully everyone out there knows that that was a facetious statement um, and that I care, I can't care about y'all quite a bit. Um, because otherwise there'd be really kind of no point to doing this podcast. Um, anyway. Um, huh. So that, man, I, I feel like I need to do some sort of um, survey of, of poet, poets who happen. So either poets are also musicians or musicians that are also. Oh, OK. So this this might help. What would you consider yourself first? Are you a singer first or a poet first? I'm a singer first. Okay. Definitely a singer first. I was a singer first before I was a poet. So, okay. yeah, and that's really my, that's really my, my big, pa- my big passion. Like I love, I love poetry too, mm-hmm. um, obviously. And I love to write and stuff, but for how I like to, how I, you know, what brings me the most joy, I think it's music and singing and performing. So that's my, that I would say singer first. And then, and then hmm. poet. Okay. But they do, they kind of go hand in hand, though, don't they? Kind of. In my mind, they go hand in hand a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's not. I'm never. I don't know. People are not shocked when I'm like, yeah, I write poetry, and they're like, oh, well, all right. Well, that makes <laughs> sense. You know, they're they're not. Yeah. They're not too. They're hmm. not too shocked. So, would you? Would you ever see yourself in a position that you would write an opera that you would then yourself perform? Oh my gosh, no, <laughs> no. Um, I the and the reason would, I, would that be the like the the utmost of the singer songwriter sort of like inability to bridge your yes. writing and your in your singing yes. together? Yes, one hundred percent. I actually was just in a world premiere here in Eugene. Um, and the composer, so I like created the role, which is so cool. It's so cool. If when you're in a performance art, um, that will likely be performed again when you get to be the, the first person to sing it ever and perform it. It's really cool. Um, and, um, it, the music and the words, it, it was just, I know the composer. And so it was just, I know how much she went through to write it. And I just don't think Mm -hmm. I have enough to say. That could fill an opera. You know what I mean? Oh. I don't think I have enough that needs to come out of me. That can't be. That can't be performed. That can't be given in another outlet. Kind of like in a performing of okay. someone else's words and feelings and emotions. Um, and it, just hearing her talk about the whole writing of the opera process was is just kind of crazy. Um, and she had a lot of things she wanted to say and a lot of things she wanted to express. And, you know, um, just, she just wanted to say so much and the creating the opera was so healing for her. And she, this woman is amazing and it, it just is a lot. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I just don't think I have quite, I don't have anything that needs to come out of me like that. I feel like I must write an opera. Um, and also I'm, I'm bad at marrying the two words and music I'm bad at that so Hmm. I would rather I like to find pieces that are meaningful to me and where I am in my life 
you know, like when I do, when I get to choose my own, when I get to choose my own program, I like to find people who say it better than I do. Okay. And you, have you ever like composed your own music before? Outside of an Im- a musical improv class, no. <laughs> it's okay. it's hard for me because I the instruments I play are treble, so I play the flute, and you can't really sing and play the flute at the same time <laughs> because they both require air. <laughs> um, and I'm not right. a I'm not a great pianist. Like I'm just a very basic pianist. You know, like a very mm-hmm. like cursory level learn my notes kind of, you know, I can come up with warm-ups and exercises for myself, but as far as like composing something with actual orchestration, I just don't feel like I have any, I wouldn't even know where to start kind of. Cause when you hmm. are going to go to school and you want to be a performer, they don't really teach you how to compose. That's like a totally separate thing. So I've done some like musical improv and done that. And that's really fun to have someone improving with you on the piano. And then you guys just sort of make up words and make up a song. And that's super fun um, and very Mm -hmm. helpful for practice. But I, as far as composing might know, I've never composed my own music. (laughs) Huh. I don't know. You sound surprised. (laughs) No, no. It's just because I'm like... One of the things that I've I've thought about um, regarding my music and my poetry, and I so this is a little tiny little tangent, but uh, part of the reason that uh, so poetry has been on hiatus for the last two months was uh, for the almost the entirety of the month of June, uh, I was in Vermont at the Vermont Studio Center for a month long residency that was kind of sprung at me on the the last minute. Um, and I had a whole lot of time to just kind of write poetry and come up with, I mean, not, I had, I had a lot of time. I chose it primarily to write poetry. I did write a couple of songs, but within that, just kind of thinking about um, like my poetic process and, and my music process. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I've mentioned this, um, this sort of point blank on the podcast. And I don't, I know for sure that you and I haven't talked about this, Shannon, but um for me, most of my, most of the art that I create, either poetry or music, is born out of some, um, I don't know, like some emotional experience. Sure. And when, when I write poetry, it feels, it's more along the lines of what I guess haiku does, where it's like you, you experience something and it makes you feel something. And you know that you are incapable of of transferring that the feeling itself through words because you would just lose like it's just it's thing it's something that exists beyond words. Um, so instead, you try to capture the experience that you had um, with enough like pinpoint detail and enough clarity, but also enough space so that when the reader or when a reader reads that poem, it will. Uh, kick off in them some feeling that is hopefully like like a, a kin or you know like a cousin or some sort of sibling to the thing that you felt um so it's a very it's a very roundabout way to get somebody to um 
have that sort of empathetic feeling or that empathetic reaction where they're feeling something sure. similar to you. Whereas with music, I it has been my experience that I can pretty much uh, transfer the emotion of what I felt into a song and then get someone to directly feel what it is that I felt. Um, so music for me is more... Um, like transposition that it's like I can take one thing and then just shift it over into another space. And it's like, there's nothing that's lost. Whereas when I'm writing poetry, it always feels like it goes through some sort of, uh, internal, um, like internal process of translation where there's always something that's like, I'm, I'm never quite capturing exactly what it is that I'm trying to capture. There's always a little bit of, I don't know, like something that's lost or something that's, that's, the like the color is muted or the the sound is muted or you know um which is which is not an unusual thing with translation that there's always like you can never get it there's always like a gist or there's always something like um like the eclipse mm -hmm. that will be happening soon that you know uh when i'm when I'm doing music, I feel like I can get, it's like, it's a totality. I can, I can get captured 100%. And every, every, all of my writing is like, you know, eh, maybe like 80, maybe like 90%, but there's always that little bit of something that's like, I can't, I couldn't quite capture that. Um, and that was, I, that was what was kind of fueling my, my questions about like you and your, your, like the music and, um, like if you had written if you'd written your own music if like if you would come at it that way or if there's another way that you would you would go at it I mean um, that's sort of the beauty but. of music isn't it I mean to me is that it's it just allows you to feel exactly what the composer with the poet yeah. wants you to feel me sometimes in conjunction oh, yeah. poetry and music you know po librettist and composer um, you know or what it doesn't yes. have to be librettist it could also always be it could be a poet and composer um it allows you just to feel exactly what they wanted you to feel or what that composer is feeling when listening to those words being read i mean that's that's the beauty right. of the marriage yes. between the two you know like that's the bridge really mm -hmm. for me for somebody that, like me who likes to who doesn't write her own music and likes to perform other people's it's that's the true beauty of it for me is that's where i'm happiest when i get to hear the composer how the composer felt about the words he said he or she excuse me mm -hmm. said yeah so do you do you use music as like a tool for emoting oh yes um, oh definitely okay i think most people do i think humans uh, us as humans music is universal you know it's makes you feel something yeah. whether it's you know, whether it's what the compo what whoever wrote the music intended or not, it makes you feel something. And that's, that's the beauty. Like right. that's why music is so great, you know? Yes. So I, there, when I'm feeling, I don't know, stuff, when I'm feeling things, um, I tend to try to find a piece of music that, um, is, either i mean most of the time i can get i can get pretty close sometimes i can get spot on um and i will tend to listen to that one or two songs maybe on repeat until whatever it is that i'm feeling at the time like passes do you do you 
have you had similar ex- similar experiences where like you just you feel something you're like shit i gotta i gotta go listen to something by myself for like five minutes and just let this like oh yeah get out of, me. To- oh, of course yeah i'm the same way i get you know in you know when i'm feeling feelings um certain music <laughs> is for certain you know makes me feel a certain way um yes. and mm-hmm. yeah i love i love to do that I love to focus in on, you know, like a handful, one or two songs, pieces that really speak to me in that whatever feeling. Are there are there certain songs or certain groups um, or musicians or whatever that um, you constantly return to that are like that, regardless of like whatever else is shuffling through your like your iPod or your iTunes or whatever? that they're like those are they're the fixture points oh yeah musical soulmates man they exist for sure yeah Yeah. i definitely have do you want me to list them like i i can some of them well yeah well i mean i i'm i've been i've realized that i haven't had a whole lot of things to like throw into the description um (laughs) of this podcast so this this would be good things for me to uh good things for me to put on there and good things for people to check out too. Yeah, totally. Um, so I return to Damien Rice always. He's a big one for me. Um, you've been, you've I, been listening to him for a while, right? Long time. Yeah. Really long time. Um, and I love Joni Mitchell. She's like, every album is a banger really. Um, <laughs> I love her no matter where I am in my life. Um, and there, those are just like the two off the top of my head that I'm like, I could listen to them all day, every day. and never get bored or tired (laughs) i mean i have a i mean i have a couple others i love queen and i love oh there's just so many um but i i return to like those those are my probably my big three big three and then there's a couple like one-off like songs that i'm just like i'm obsessed with this song and have been for forever and it always makes me feel you know like certain ways at different times in my life and stuff like that what is Um, your what is the newest song obsession like single one-off song obsession that you have developed I don't know. I have to look at my Spotify and see what I've been listening to. Because honestly, I've just been listening to so much, so much opera and in preparation for things that are upcoming that it's just not really. Um, are, are you? you that some of it's work and some of it's fun. Are you in a place that you can talk about things that are upcoming, or is there like, uh, I don't know, like a media gag? No, no, there's no media gag. It's just, um, I'm working on some stuff locally with some friends. We're just like working on putting on like some recitals and stuff. So I'm just like, just working for on fun stuff gotcha. for me. Um, but so some of the stuff I've been listening to a lot is like pseudo research. Okay. Um, but I love, um, I don't know. Let me see. I have to like, I have to really think about what I've been listening to a lot because... I kind of, I don't know, I, it sort of depends on the day. Um, I'm super into Kendrick Lamar's new album. Okay. I like that a lot. Um, and I guess, I don't know, Song Obsession? Let me look. Let me look and see. Yeah, since we're both on the internet, there's it's, anything. it's super easy for us to just open up a new tab. And... <laughs> yeah, totally. And just, like, look at my daily mix or whatever. <laughs> um... 
I'm sorry. No, no, no. So So not prepared for that question. (laughs) Not not prepared at all. So for those of you listeners, um, I believe that I've talked about this before. Um, I typically send out like a list of questions just to, for my guests to kind of just think about or just things to get them into the, the mental space, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever space of talking about poetry for, you know, like an hour or so. Um, but I'm sure that as many of my listeners out there know, once you've been with me for a while, things typically go on tangents. Um, so a lot of the questions go unasked. Um, even though a lot of them will be answered, even though they they go unasked, but there are sometimes questions that just sort of come up in the uh, in the moments, um, and this is one of them. And to make yeah. it to add a little bit of uh, added drama to to Shannon's um, search, there's apparently a song, a little like free play song that I could I could play. So we're gonna we're gonna give this a shot and have a little fun with it. So. Oh no. <laughs> so dramatic. Yeah. It really, really heightens, heightens the tension of your search. It really does heighten the tension of my search, and now I feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my Spotify is, like, not even helping, really. That's that's really dramatic, Shannon. That's... I know. <laughs> I know. Okay, I'm going to just be totally honest, and it's not even a new, it's not even new band, so with the dramatic music. Um, I've been listening to just a really a lot of Whitney Houston, honestly. Yes! <laughs> Which is so weird, I know. It's like, so weird, but she's the greatest, so. Any any particular albums or songs that you would you would direct people who um, are unaffiliated or uh, un- uh, yeah, unsure about Whitney? Yeah, that song, first of all, why are you unsure about Whitney? Yeah. One, get on it if you're unsure about Whitney. <laughs> There's nothing to be unsure about. Um, and that song's so emotional, which goes with this music mm-hmm. that's playing in the background. It's nice. Um, so Emotional by Whitney Houston. It's a good one. It feels like summer to me. I don't know. Okay. That's why I've been listening to it, I think, so much. Silver Sun. So Pino. anticlimactic for... I didn't match the intensity of no, the music. It's, it's fine. We can, we'll, we'll bring it, we'll bring it, that was, that was a dry one. We'll bring this back at the end of the episode and really, really ratchet up the, uh, the drama. Um, Silver Sun Pickups for me are a, a summer band. Oh yeah. I saw them in New Orleans a couple years ago. What? Yeah. At no. Voodoo Music Fest. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were really good. Do you know, do you know the group Daughter? No. Ooh. Well, yes. One, you definitely should. Um, And two, they are a, like, late autumn night into winter band. Ooh, nice. Like, late autumn nights slash, like, as the transition happens, like, as the the nights get longer and longer and longer and colder. Um, Yeah, totally. Awesome. What's another? Have to look into that. Annuals are a good summer band. Ooh, and the Mystic Crew of Clearlight—they're they're a good summer jam. Like if you're out if you're out driving somewhere super long time and it's real fucking hot, throw on Mystic Crew of Clearlight. Ooh, okay, I'm writing all of this down. Um, it's an instrumental like like New Orleans swamp jam group. Nice, just, into it. It's like 
also when I'm feeling kind of like pseudo nostalgic of New Orleans, um, but not like the city itself, but just sort of like the the people that I hung out with there and the shows and stuff that I went to, I'll throw them on because you cannot listen to them and not think about, you know, like just being inundated with sweat and humidity and mosquitoes. Wait, are they like, from New Orleans? Yes. They're from New Orleans. Yes. Nice. And you, like, you especially, Shannon, will, you'll be able to hear it. Because um, I think, like, the, I feel like the first song opens up with, um, I think, I think they recorded it at, like, a Zulu parade with people. Oh, camping. nice. Um, oh, cool. Oh, this is something that I don't know if you knew about me. I never, I've never been to a Mardi Gras parade. Yeah, I did know that, and I'm for, okay. I'm always upset about it. Every time I'm reminded of that, I feel upset. I'm, How as a New Orleanian could you have never been to Mardi Gras parade? Sad. I I don't know. I think it's the same reason. It's probably the same reason why I never went trick or treating either. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. bummer overall. Mardi Gras parades are the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would always get like the beads and the balloons and stuff from so. If any of you are out there still playing Pogs or playing Pogs, <laughs> playing with Pogs, I don't know what the correct terminology is for that. Um, if you need a, a never-fail chipper, Mardi Gras doubloons are your best bet. So that's just a My little God, Pog. Who is still playing Pogs? I don't know. There's, they're making, they're going to make a comeback. There's like fidget spitters out there right now. You know Pogs are, gonna, are eventually going to come back. Oh, well, I mean, hopefully. I was That was the one thing I was good at. As pogs, it's <laughs> like terrible and everything else. Oh man, I still, up until I moved to, I think up until I moved to Baltimore, I still had a tube with some of my pogs in it. That's crazy, man! Like that's insane. Even, like, I somehow lost or got. I, I either I somehow either lost or got rid of my good pogs, like the ones that I was really saving, and I was left with this neon green tube <laughs> or my like my like C and D listers that I would use in actual matches because I didn't care if I, if people took them or not. Oh my um, god, my mom made me get rid of all that stuff oh. <laughs> like a long time ago. Yeah, she made me get rid of all my Pokemon cards too. Oh man, I know. I had, so I had an, I fuck. I I think I gave those to somebody, like some kid. I felt like a um Andy They're from like a Toy Story now. Three. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I yeah. never played. I never played the actual game. I just, just fucking collect. Oh shit! Oh. I have another story that you might not know about. Oh. It's related the... to Pokemon. Yes. Please tell me. Okay. So, back in the back in the age of Blockbuster, which was you know dark <laughs> times for across the United States. Um, <laughs> I I rented Pokemon Blue for the Game Boy. Um, sure, I own and, that still and still play it on my Game Boy Color. Nice. Yes, I, I still do. About a year ago, my dad uh, sent up my Sega Genesis, my Super Nintendo, nice. and my Nintendo sixty four. Um, nice. And actually, I'm coming over. Yeah, I I will I will take you to town and fucking Super Mario Kart. Just yes, I'm right terrible now. at it. Because my parents would not let me have an N64, and I had to go to Amy's to play her oh. N64. Wow. Because my mom would not buy us one. Anyway. That's shape. So anyway, um, so I I would I rented Pokemon Blue and then kept renewing it because I was getting like you know further and further along, and I was you know like I my Squirtle was up to, 
think it was like just about to be a Blastoise, or I'd gotten a Blastoise, or I was like wrecking the um, the missing no glitch and just you know like force feeding my Pokemon rare candies to get them up to like level sure. hundred. As one um, does. Yes. And also, like, in that game early on, I had randomly somehow caught an Abra. So I had a fucking Alakazam on my team, um, which was never going to happen again. <laughs> so after, fuck, after like, maybe a month or so of continuing to renew the game, my parents were like, we can't, like, we're not going to keep renewing this. Like, you just, you're going to have to give it back. And I freaked out. <laughs> I was so upset. Um, so... I don't, I don't remember if I devised this plan or my dad devised this plan or if it was some sort of like meeting of the minds moment. But what we did was we went to KB Toys, bought a brand new Pokemon Blue that I'm oh. pretty sure I paid for with my, with my allowance, brought oh my it home. God. My dad and his best um, forgery wrote the like Sharpie numbers that were on the back of the game that I had from Blockbuster onto the new one. Like, lifted off the little barcode thing, stuck it onto the back of the new one. We put the new one in the box, returned it, and then I think I beat the game, like, like two days later. And I was like, well, shit. Oh, my God. That is a great story. First of all, KB Toys does not exist anymore. That's no No, longer a place. (laughs) And did it exist outside of the Lakeside Mall? I don't know. Yes, there was one in Elmwood. Yeah, but outside of... Outside of the city of New Orleans, did they exist? I don't know. I I I don't know. I doubt it. There's so many places that I'm like, wow, the rest of the world doesn't have this. Oh, yeah, like, my like childhood. Bromart or Winn-Dixie. Yeah. Yeah, like Bromart and Winn-Dixie. Exactly. Um, I have a cousin who still works at Bromart. Anyway. Anyway. Um, that's the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's amazing that you had an Alakazam on your team because those bitches are tricky. So yeah. I'm, well I'm done. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that it was it was Blastoise, the Alakazam, um, what you could have you could have six on your team, right? Yeah, so it was yeah. it was Blastoise, Alakazam, because um, Psychics were so fucking overpowered in that game, and then the three legendary birds and Mewtwo that I all caught with a Master Ball because I used the fucking I I the cheat code to get uh, it. No, well, no, well, you know how like it was the it was back when like missing no was a thing, and anything that you had in your I think your eighth slot in your inventory would be multiplied by I think by like eight or something. Um, so I had I had almost unlimited rare candies and then almost unlimited master balls that I just like I rolled up to Zapdos and I was like master ball, and then Mewtwo was like master ball, so, and like. <laughs> And then I, I got them all to level 100 and then just swept the Elite Four. I don't think I changed. I think yeah. I just I had Mewtwo out in front. And I just, like, That's I didn't even have to switch to a Pokemon. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, speaking of, this is another tangent. Um, I'm we're, sorry. We're already totally off poetry now. So go Way for it. not even close to poetry. So <laughs> they just released all the Crash Bandicoots for PS4. Did you oh, see that? Wow. Okay. I did not so know. My husband, God bless him, bought pre-ordered it for me. The pack of oh. the like the three the pack of the three Crash Bandicoots, because he was like, Shannon will see this and not shut up about it. And he like has been coming home from work and he's like, What are you doing? And I'm like, playing Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> and he's like, Oh my god, why? And I'm like, because it's fun. You bought it. I'm 
I like it's like his be I mean obviously I'm not a gamer but like I mean maybe that's not obvious but I'm not a gamer I I didn't know that about you I I assume that you were like pro league you know oh yeah I definitely sound like I should be pro league video game player for sure yeah, my mom wouldn't give me an N64, but I definitely am like. But, that, but that's oh, what no. fueled it. After after that, after she refused to get you this this prize game that you want, you dedicated your entire life to, to being video the games. best at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely yes. I mean, um. <laughs> I mean, of course that's. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. That's enough of that. <laughs> but yeah, so now I'm like playing Crash Bandicoot like I'm 11 again. Nice. It's it's awesome Actually, and also way harder than I remember. Oh yeah, I um I started playing. Uh, or actually, I started watching my partner play Link to the Past. Oh god, this was like a year ago because I like growing up. I don't think I played a single Zelda game. Um, oh yeah, and she you was gotta like, play them. They're what? so good. So she she had the cartridge for Link to the Past, and for she game brought Boy? it over, and she was. No, 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 for Super Nintendo. Oh, for Super... Oh, my God. You're playing the good ones on Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yes. I still I still have the cartridge in my little basket of video game stuff because she, like, we Amazing. came over and she, we got... I think we got through the the castle too late. I think we got Zelda out of the castle and then that was, like, we were tired and we went to bed and then we just, <laughs> just never got back to it. It's amazing. Um, we have the Ocar- the new Ocarina of Time release on 3DS which I am so terrible at, but it's so fun and it's so nostalgic and great. And the new, re- like the new, it's like all remastered and it looks really cool. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think Nintendo does that just for people like us. Who's like, oh my god, you know oh, what yeah. I used to love? Pokemon. Right. No, that's like, I I think that they Nintendo is very very skilled at. Um, capitalizing on nostalgia stuff that is nostalgic <laughs> for the people who grew up for it but also appealing to people who have never like pokemon go is one of those things it's like oh yeah when that came when that came out like everybody that I, all of my friends that are you know like late 20 early 30 somethings were like ape shit about it and then i knew a bunch of um i have some friends that are teachers and they were telling me that you know like their kids the kids that they taught were gaga over pokemon go because it yeah. like it's 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 on smartphones. It's part of the the new media and the new medium, um, but it's still, you know, it's like it, it. There's all these all these things about it that like it they they're they're tapping across generations, which is astounding. Which is something that poetry I think could also do at times. <laughs> at which times. is, <laughs> I don't which know. was a great <laughs> circle back to poetry. Good job. Okay, so. So since we're talking about things that we love and things that we've enjoyed throughout our life, um, I will I will ask you uh, the, a two part question, okay. which I know that you're prepared for at least half of this question. Okay. Um, if you maybe not your okay, so I was going to say name your favorite, but that's not the way that I, I phrase it. Um, is there a poem out there that you love that you return to over and over again, not unlike uh, Damien Rice or Joni Mitchell? That's just this yes. like fixture. There's a fulcrum point of your life. Yes, I have two. I'm prepared. Ooh. I was prepared for this one for okay. this question. I have two. Um, one of them. The first one is 
the poem P.S. by Franz Wright from Walking. How do you, how do you, it's just Franz Wright? Franz Wright, like F-R-A-N-Z. I heard, I heard frogs and I was like, I don't don't think that's. Frogs Wright. No. Um, And it's from his book, Walking to Martha's Vineyard. Um, which is a really, really, really great book. If no one has read it, it's so good. Um, Franz Wright is one of my all-time favorite poets ever. Oh, nice. Uh, He's awesome. Um, He also really cares about what the poems look like on the page, similar to me. Um, And the other one is called R&R by Brian Turner from his book, Hear Bullet. And he's also one of my favorite poets ever. And I was lucky enough to meet him at a, uh, at a poetry reading in Greeley, Colorado, where I did my undergrad. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he's awesome. And it's awesome. Would you? Hmm? It's awesome. No. <laughs> I, thought, I thought there was more to do than that, but that's No, nope, that's it. Um, They're just great. <laughs> They're awesome. Um, would you, would you like to read one or both of those or? Uh, sure. Do you want to just... Yeah, I definitely can. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. My dog is now chewing on my book. No, no, stop. Um, oh, so the cat, so there was a cat that was in my closet and she has just emerged from the closet and is now walking on my bed. Oh. I thought I would inform you, Shannon specifically, because you. you've been, you've been, I know that you've been on the edge of your seat <laughs> about this whole... I really, so I was the whole on um, the unfolding story of this cat in my closet. Yes, I was waiting. I just, I had to on with bated breath. I, I just, I felt like I, w- I was my duty to inform you that she had in fact emerged. Oh, she, is now she licking. sensed my dog, and then came out. She sensed that now my dog is being a terror. Why, as whilst we record this. <laughs> so you know what I just, you know what I just realized this this piano music sounds like it's at the like the emotional climax scene of a studio uh, Ghibli movie. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Except for I don't think it's as heartfelt. <laughs> oh. I thought I was gonna say the emotional climax of As the World Turns, <laughs> which is not fair to this piano music, and I'm sorry. <laughs> So you're saying that it feels a little, a little contrived. That it's not, it's not true emotion that's being expressed in this. It piece. feels a little. It just feels a little dramatic. It's just feels a little dramatic. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. The name of it is dramatic piano. So. Oh well, at least it's true to itself. <laughs> it's true to what it said it wanted to be. Okay, so um, which which of the two poems or which are you going to read and or are you going to read? Okay, first? so. Um, I can read them both if you want. R and R is kind of long though, yeah. so it's up to you. Um, I was gonna. S- it's up. It's dealer's choice. It's up to Sorry. you if you feel like if you, if you feel like um, breaking out your pipes for <laughs> for that long. Oh no! Even it's... though we've been talking for like an hour. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I I'm sorry. I have to discipline a tiny dog, Murphy. No. She's just chewing on my my headphone cords, and she's like, "What is this? Um, I don't know if you'll keep this in, but I have a, a oh, puppy, yes, and she, is, she's very little. This is going in the podcast. And she doesn't understand that chewing on cords is not a cool thing to do. She doesn't get it. See, conversely, my roommate's cat um, is I don't know, like 
three-ish, so she's solidly like... Oh, she's grown. She's she's in her like her I'm I'm working it years, um, but she constantly chews on my computer's power cord and she knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> well, she doesn't have an excuse then. You know, she's grown. She knows yeah. better. Anyway, should we read some poetry? Should we do that? Yeah this this podcast has gotten completely off the rails. It's off the and rails. I love I love. I love it. <laughs> okay, so this is P.S. by Franz Wright. Oh no! Now I feel nervous that I'm gonna read like on this podcast. Have... Wait, do you want do you want some? No, that makes me feel more anxious. <laughs> okay. 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 I close my eyes and see a seagull in the desert, high against unbearably blue sky. There is hope in the past. I am writing to you all the time. I am writing with both hands, day and night. So that's by Franz, Franz Wright. Yeah, and it's nice it's poem. very short. Um, and a lot, actually a lot of the poems in this book, Walking to Martha's Vineyard, um, are on the short side. Um, not, not all of them. Mm. There are some kind of longer ones. But he's really into spacing. And uh, it's, I really like it. Uh, the book is just... The book is just out. so I'm, good. Um, it's so good. I, I don't think I've ever actually read anything from Franz Wright. Oh, I got... Or by Franz Wright. He's so good. Um, and this is my favorite book of his. So there you go. Um, and uh, R&R is very long, so I can Uh-oh. read it all if you want. Or not at all. You <laughs> Your podcast? Cut out a for a little Oh, bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said it's kind of long, so I can read it if you want. Or your podcast, your rules. So you let me know. I don't have to read it. Um, yeah. Yeah? Read yeah, the whole thing? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is R&R by Brian Turner. Um, and it's in his book, Hear Bullet. Um, and for those of you that don't know Brian Turner, as a poet, he's um, a, a soldier. Oh, it's not, it's not long. It's not it long is poem. sort of longish. <laughs> It's sort of long. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, he's a he's soldier, um, and he was in the army, and he served in Iraq, um, in the Third Striker Brigade Combat Team, and the Second Infantry Division. This is on the back of his book. I'm not just I don't just like know this off the top of my head. Um, anyway, so this this uh, set of poetry here, bullet is uh, they're like war poems. Um, which I think is important. I think that's an important distinction when talking about this book because he does have another book um, that's also very good and it's not war poetry. It's some of them are. So did he, did he write these while he was in Iraq or did he write them afterwards about Iraq? Some of them, both. Some of them are written. He does notate um, in the book, like one of them is on the outskirts of Mosul and some of them have, okay, a little like notes about if they were written uh, while serving. So anyway, okay, okay. so this is R&R. The curve of her hip where I'd lay my head, that's what I'm thinking of now. Her fingers gone slow through my hair on a blue day, 10,000 miles off, the fut- off in the future somewhere, where the beer is so cold it sweats in your hand, cool as her kissing you with crushed ice, her tongue wet with blackberry and melon. That's what I'm thinking of now because I am all out of adrenaline, 
all out of smoking incendiaries. Somewhere deep in the landscape of the brain, under the skull's blue curving dome, that's where I am now, swaying in a hammock by the water's edge as soldiers laugh and play volleyball just down the beach while others tan and talk with nurses who bring pills to help them sleep. And if this is crazy, let this be my sanatorium. Let doctors walk among us here, marking their charts as they will. I have a lover with hair that falls like autumn leaves on my skin, water that rolls in smooth, smooth and cool as anesthesia, birds that carry all my bullets into the barrel of the sun. Man, I love that poem so much. <laughs> anyway, so that's R and R. Man, the, the under the skull's blue curving dome. God damn. Oh, sorry, you broke up. Will you repeat that? Oh. Sorry. Oh, I was just I was just luxuriating in the line under the skull's blue curving dome. Uh, he's so good. So damn. it's just it's kind of heavy, but I I like it. And I always come back to it, especially the last stanza. I just, I just always, I have a lover with hair that falls like autumn leaves on my skin. I just, I don't know, man. Just always come back to it. Poetry. Oh, wow. I, I didn't get any of that. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's no. okay. So I, I heard, I heard the, you like that, that particular line and then there was nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. Um. I just always come back to that. I just always come back to that. I don't know why. It's just something about it speaks to me. Not that, not that I, I'm a I soldier. Like, I'm not. I feel like that's. But... I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's a line that you that you could have written. Oh well, gee, thanks. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks. I think it reminds me of a much beloved um, Andrea Gibson poem about the leaves fall, like they're oh. falling in love with the ground. That's a nice sentiment. That's that's one of her poems. And she's also amazing. I've seen her twice. Oh, uh, well, they, they, her pronoun is they, not she. Um, so I apologize to you, Andrea Gibson, if you're listening to this. Um, they're amazing, so something that another poet i come back to consistently they're a slam poet yes so. yes i'm, I'm so that's definitely yeah so she um their poems are more performance art mm-hmm. so okay so maybe that's why that line and r&r speaks to me so much but hmm. i come back to that one a lot i like that one um and since since you're, I think one of the few guests that I've had that actually has a uh, answer for this, what is a poem that you hate? I hate "This Is Just to Say" by William Carlos Williams, <laughs> which I feel and like and I is know probably, it's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I was. I don't like it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't like it. I hate it. I would venture to say. <laughs> Be do you, do you hate it because you you feel like you don't get it or do you feel like it's like it's it's a pointless like it's a it's a pointless poem that he wrote? I'm in I'm, I'm into pointless poetry. So I like that it's about plums in the icebox and that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's all fine. What I hate about it is that everyone holds it up like this 
beacon of poetry. Like they teach it in all the poetry classes. Everyone knows it. It's like ultra famous, but why? It's a nonsense poem. So why? I'm into nonsense poetry. I just, it's the fact that it's made, people make such a big deal about it. Hmm. So maybe I don't actually hate the poem. I just hate people's reaction to it. I don't know. It's that's so nonsensical reasons. Huh. <laughs> not real reasons. So you, but I do hate it. Are you are you not a fan of WCW across the board or are there poems of his that you you can actually like tolerate? Like how do you, how do you feel about his red wheelbarrow slick with reins? No, slick with rain. God, I hate I hate that one too. Huh. Why? What I don't you like too. about? I wish I. I wish I didn't. <laughs> I wish. Well, I'm, I was not, I'm not. I'm not judging you or faulting you for it. I'm just. I'm. What is it about that particular poem that you're? You're not a fan of. I think, it feels a little. They feel kind of cold to me. Oh. They're like, they feel. But but maybe that's not. I, you know, I could be. I am so sorry for that <laughs> very scary, scary motorcycle outside the front of my house. I live on a very busy street, and um, people are such assholes all the time. Just people are huge dicks. Anyway, um, <laughs> poetry. Yes. I don't. I don't like the red wheelbarrow. I like that there's no capital letters in that poem. That's a weird thing for me to say, I know, but I, you, I really don't like capital like letters. So the stanzas give the, uh, the physical impression of themselves being wheelbarrows? Sure. That sounds way <laughs> more in-depth than I just like aesthetically that it doesn't have any capital No, but that was, that was um, letters. I think, so I know, I know a little bit about Williams' um, and I think that your judgment that it, the poems feel cold are is, I think in in some part, pretty fucking accurate because I I know that he was part of the I believe the objectivists or the image no the imagists I think he was an imagist, um, and their whole deal was just like the presentation of things, um, without. I think without so much of like the emotionalization of the things, it's like, it's just the thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like the description of the thing itself. And that's it. Um, yeah. So I don't that, know. So I mean, I definitely of, like, see that. But I think it's like that, that level of distance. Cause like the, um, like both PS and R and R are very much, um, like the poet is inhabiting the poem them themselves like they're even if even if the speaker is not the poets like there's there's a presence of an eye that exists and there is the um i guess the kind of emotional tether that i think that that brings along when you are you know it's like listening to someone tell a story it's like they're they're kind of drawing you into this world that they want you to inhabit whereas with the imagists i feel like there's some um like, because even Carlos or and I, it shows up in this is just to say, there's not so much of like, um, I don't know. There's even there even though there's an implied relationship between the speaker and the whoever he's writing this note to, um, it's it feels like it's it's so, I don't know. Like there's so much space between yeah, that relationship. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
even though I definitely have met some people and I, I think we talked about that poem in, in one of my classes that people have read it as like, oh, this is like a really smally, um, like romantic. Oh, there's there's the cat purring into the microphone. Um, oh. That it's like, it's this real like smally romantic thing. Um, but. Wait, which part is romantic? Oh, the, like, like the, so not, not necessarily the, the, the poem itself of this is just to say, but like that, that sort of like the, like it's romantic that he wants to write a note to her. What I, I may have, I may have misspoken. I think that it more of like, um, like the intimacy of their relationship that he, he could write something like this to, to this this you. I, yeah. I don't know. He ate some plums. (laughs) Like it's not a big deal. Maybe, maybe they, but they were, I don't know. But they were being saved, and he knew that they were being saved. But he was like, "I just, I, I have to. I have to." There, well, but oh, I don't know. It's just plums. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical. I don't know. I, I have people that in like classes and stuff. When we ever we talk about the red wheelbarrow, or this is just to say. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it's very. If I find that I find William Carlos Williams to be very polarizing, okay. Um, and I'm I'm always in like I'm always in the like minority of people that just hate him. Yeah. And um, I just can't. There's nothing for me to relate to, kind of. And then the Red Wheelbarrow. It's like so much depends upon why. Why does something depend upon the Red Wheelbarrow? You don't even say. No, but you it's, don't even say what depends upon it. But it's it's the. <laughs> Huh. It's just like the stating of that there is a red wheelbarrow glazed oh, so you, beside the white so chickens. You would, you would, would you have preferred to see the things that depend upon the red wheelbarrow yeah. instead of just it says okay? So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow. What depends upon a red wheelbarrow? What do you mean? Nothing depends upon a red wheelbarrow. Well, what if that's your I only? Guess. What if that's your only piece of farm equipment? So it has to be like the cart that's like you're bringing your your chicken feed yeah. out. Or you're bringing your eggs in, or yeah. all the chickens that See, you... See, and now we're talking about it, right. and so it's like, maybe it really is a great poem. <laughs> maybe all of them are yeah. really great. So this, this, conversation, conversation this conversation is one of the things that depends upon the red wheelbarrow. Apparently, uh-huh. it would uh... appear. <laughs> I, I know I'm in the minority. I don't care. I don't like it. <laughs> There's To me, they just like don't... like. I appreciate, I guess, it for what it is and what he, what kind of poet he was, and that's fine. But it's not the kind yeah. of poetry I like to okay. read, and that speaks to me. It's just kind of like Mula yeah. to me. So, would you like to hear the uh, the poem that I would that I constantly shit talk whenever whenever this question comes yes. up? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, are you familiar with the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T. S. Eliot? No, Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Okay, I want to read it while you, like, I'm sorry, I'm putting it on my screen so that I can see it. Okay, so this, this, is, a, this is a long poem. Okay. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, wow, it is an extremely long poem. Yes. <laughs> it is, there's, there's Italian at the beginning. Yes, which I don't know what it means. Oh, my Italian's not good enough for me to to. to so for my me to like that. my issue with this poem is the last two stanzas. 
Okay. Why? Because I think that it's too much of a it's too much expository. I think okay. that if you if you ended with I do not think that they will sing to me it it ends on this like a much more dour and sad and somber note but also leaves the the ending of the poem open to kind of not ambiguousness but leaves it open to this this weird sort of unsituated and unsettled feeling of being left behind because like the i think that you get all of that the the whole idea of like you know being so the last two stanzas for me um which i will i will read from line 120 down to the end um, just because I actually know 120 to 125 by heart, which is an unusual thing for me because I typically don't. Uh... Because you hate it? No, just because I, I don't typically memorize poetry, but these like five lines I know just because I love them. Um, but I grow old. I grow old. I should wear the bottoms of my trousers rolled. Shall I part my hair behind? Do I dare to eat a peach? I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think they will sing to me. And I think it should just stop. But instead, it goes on. I have seen them riding seaward on the waves, combing the white hair of the waves blown back when the wind blows the water white and black. They have lingered in the chambers of the sea by sea girls wreathed in, with seaweed red and brown till human voices wake us and we drown. So part of it is I, I'm not a fan of uh, poems that rhyme. And I know that old rolled peach, beach, and each all, that's all rhyming. Um, but for me, whatever, for whatever reason, that's a little softer. Um, but the whole, I feel like the whole gist of the last two stanzas are that there's this, I, the image that I get is there's this guy walking on the beach, um, and he's looking out to the waves and he can tell that there's some magic that exists out there that he has encountered at some point before in his life, but he's at a point in his life now that he, it's, he's incapable of accessing it again, or it's for some reason he's been separated from it. And he will never, he will never get them back. He will never get that back. He will never be able to access it again. And I think you get all of that, like all of the, all of the kind of despair and the the quietness of just like shit. I'm old now. All of all of this magic is well behind me, in in those stanzas. And it's much, it's much cleanerly expressed because it's not like he's not coming out and saying it's like, oh, I've seen him, you know. I've seen all these mermaids out there and they're doing this stuff. It's like, you, it's all of this. He's like, he's, he's saying specifically these, these images and these emotions. Um, but he's kind of speaking around, like he's implying this other bigger truth that feels like, like in, in doing that, it feels like the, the speaker of the poem is like, is unwilling or, you know, it's like that they, they don't, it's too big for them to, to begin to talk about. So in order to like describe it, or get into it they have to they have to kind of speak around um you know like around the space so you get the idea of what's what's sitting at at a center um 
But I, I think I feel like the last two stanzas, like it's it's so explicit and it's so like, oh, this is this is what I actually mean. This poem is about. Um, Wait, it's like, but you know, that's the same reason I hate William Car- Williams Carlos Williams William Carlos Williams. What a terrible name! First of all, <laughs> second of all, this is that's the same reason I hate his. I agree with you. I think it's trite, kind of. Oh no, maybe edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think it's I think you're right it's too much just like here's what I mean I think I agree that it should have ended I do not think that they will sing to me because like that's that's such a like Williams Hmm. it's too like what is it about like it's just who cares about the plums in the icebox it's fine she can get more plums (laughs) okay I mean, it's nice that he wrote her a poem after he ate the plums. I don't so know. What, I'm if, sorry. If you if you had, I don't know, what's what's a fruit that you enjoy eating? Strawberries. Yeah, I like strawberries. Yeah, okay. both of so those. Let's say you had. Fun. Let's say you had a, had some strawberries in your fridge that you were you'd been saving, um, and like you knew that they were about to go bad, but you're still like, man, I wanna I wanna eat these with a big old wedge of like cheesecake or something. Um, and you like at the end of a long day you go into your fridge you you open it up and you see a note where the strawberries were and it's something written by josh and he he writes essentially like in in a world in which this in which just this is just to say did not exist you see this poem um it's weirdly about plums but that's okay um but <laughs> But you see, you see, you see this poem sitting in your fridge where the strawberries were. What would your reaction be to that? I'd be so mad that he ate those strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. There's some. Wait. There's more qualifying questions. Does he know that he knows I'm saving the strawberries? Then, then I'd be mad. No. If he knew. Okay. No. No. He. No. He doesn't he might... know. Okay, so he knows that they've been in there for a while. He's been watching them because he's he's also concerned that they're about to turn. <laughs> but he has he he suspects that you've been saving them for something, but you have never explicitly told him. It's like, hey, don't eat okay. these. Then I'm, I'm not. Gonna, that, I'm, then I'm not mad. I'm flattered that he wrote something down on a sticky note for me. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm not mad if I didn't explicitly say I'm going to eat those later. I might be okay. a little annoyed. But regardless, I'd be like, why is this poem here? <laughs> <laughs> like, why okay. did you write me a poem so you, about you it? So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take and be like, "Wow, I have to anthologize this and let people no. read about it for generations to come." Read it? No. Would you just, would you just crumple it up and be like, "Oh, well, that sucks," okay. and you just crumple so it up and throw it in So something you have to know about Josh is that he's not really a writer. So if he wrote <laughs> me a poem, I would probably save it for posterity because I'd be like, "Oh my God, you wrote me this cute little poem about how you ate the plums. That's so nice." But what if? What I if that was anthology, anthology? How do you say, what is it? Anthologize? No. I think so. Anthologize? No. I think so. <laughs> is that the right word? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I would not whatever. like keep it. It make people read it. So what? What if that was? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this wasn't. I've never. I have not done any research into the chronology of this poem. But what if? What if that was, WCW's, first poem that he ever wrote? Oh, then I'm an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> then I'm a dick. I don't know. 
what what if it's what if it's a poem that he wrote well into his life and he knew it's like oh i'm i'm getting some some play with my poetry out and around town i'm just gonna i'm gonna picasso doodle this this number out and then it'll be it'll be thumbtacked to the you know the annals of norton anthology for the rest of for the rest of norton anthology's existence <laughs> well then i'm less of an asshole aren't i you know it kind of depends <laughs> i don't know i don't i still don't like it regardless i don't like it <laughs> okay is there a poem that you have that is somewhere in between these that you it's like eh it's not my favorite but i mean it's no it, it's no just to say it's no just to say um i don't think so Maybe. So do, for you, when you, when you read poetry, um, is it like a, oh, I love this or, eh, this is not doing anything for me. And those are the only two reactions that you have? Well, no, I, I guess not. I'm mostly, I'm more inclined to love it and love it than I am okay. to hate it, I think. Because I think, I don't know, poetry to me is just so it's so accessible. Like it could mean so many things to so many different people, even though I know people are like weirdly intimidated by poetry sometimes. Yes. I think yes. people are really freaked out. Cause I tell people all the time that I'm like, Oh, I have a, I'm, my friend Michael is a serious poet. I like, say that. And then they're like, mm-hmm. he's a poet. And I'm like, yeah, he writes these beautiful poems. He's a poet. It's what he does, Wait, you know? So you, you, you cut out a little bit before this. Are you talking about me or another you. poet that you know? No. Okay. You. <laughs> you, you're the only Michael poet I know. You're the only, okay. yeah. Um, so, but, and so people you, get I know. weird. I bet, I bet you Michael Graham's out there writing poems right now about <laughs> soccer and whatever, whatever he was up to back when, he, when we were in grade school. <laughs> oh yes. I'm, sure that's that's a bare um, a name i barely remember in the fucking depths of my memory um yes but i think that poetry actually is super accessible and like and that you know a lot of poems can make you feel a lot of different things so even though like i hate williams and this is just to say and the red wheelbarrow and i hate them um they did make me feel something very strong so isn't that kind of the point mm. in general? Yeah. To me. Yes, I would. Yeah. Um. So I guess there probably are poems that I read that I'm like, oh, I feel lukewarm about this. But I don't, I can't really, <laughs> they didn't stick with me. Right, yeah. It's either it's either the ones that you love that are going to be with you forever because you love them and you want to keep them around or the ones that you hate that you will like hate watch yeah just because you're like oh this poem yes oh willy oh you bastard oh i hate you so much yes exactly that's exactly it because so, then if when what? i like go on the hunt i don't like hunt for things that i'm like i feel lukewarm about this poet let me just pull that right out you know right, like yeah. hunt for people that i'm like wow i feel a connection and i really love this what what would you do if for the next year I sent you a a William Carlos Williams poem a day for the next year. Why would you, would you would do you that? Do? I would I likely I'm ignore just, them. I'm... Okay. <laughs> I would likely just be like, stop. Please stop sending these to me. What, what if I sent you a link to a William Carlos Williams poem, but it turned out to be a link to um, some Franz Wright poetry? 
Well, I would still click it, probably, because you sent it, and we're buds. So, like, you know, I'd probably still click it. Okay. Click the link. I'm not that aggressive. Okay. I would say I'm not that aggressive, <laughs> but I am, kind of. <laughs> but I don't know. Please don't send me a William Carlos Williams poem <laughs> every day. Please don't do that. That would break my trust in you. Please don't. <laughs> you hold my future psyche in your hand like a tiny bird. Please, please don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> I don't. You might. That might be the most visceral reaction to the, <laughs> to the information that you will be getting a a, po- a William Carlos Williams poem a day for a year. Please don't wow. do that. I don't like it. Then it's just to be mean to me because <laughs> you know I don't like it. What if what if there's something in it that it's like, ooh, if if I just if I throw enough of these at her, one of them will stick, and she's like, oh, okay, I can deal with this poem, and then that's like it, he just grows on you like a moss. Ooh, gross! Or like some sort of lichen. Oh, all right, fine. Send me a William Carlos Williams poem every day for a year, I guess. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't. I can't. I don't have that perseverance. You know me. I, I get through like I would get through like a week and be like, eh, she can find him on her own. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care enough. I don't want to be his advocate enough. <laughs> I've enabled a lot enough. Um. Oh boy. Um. So I feel like we've, even though we've been on many, many tangents, we have kind of answered a, a lot of the questions that I've, I have on my list. Oh, good. Um, so I, I typically end um, with two questions. Um, and I only, I'm only saying that because we're like an hour and a half in um, and I don't want to keep you from doing stuff in your day in the past. That's fine. Even though it's secondly at the same time, which is asinine for me to think about. Um, <laughs> But um, the first question is, if you have the vocabulary to describe this, what does your internal landscape look like? My internal landscape when I write poetry? Yes. When I write poetry. Oh, no. Just Just in general. Just like, yes. If If there is, and it doesn't have to be a set thing. It can be something that shifts. Um, it doesn't have necessarily have to be landscape as in like, you know, a swamp or actual physical landscape. Somebody, why would mine be a swamp? I don't know. It's the first thing that, we're talking about Louisiana. It's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know exactly why you said that. I just thought it would be funny to make fun of you for it. <laughs> um, anyway. Somebody, um, one of my friends, their landscape was um, vibrantly colored red and pink and purple frosting. That's wow. what she felt like. Um, that so sounds it's, so nice. <laughs> yes. It really, for me, it's it's mostly just like a, if you were to like close your eyes and sort of quiet stuff in your head or in your, your center, wherever, wherever your center is, and just sort of like, hang out there the like the the kind of image that comes up from that uh like what like what i don't like what what does that what does that look like what's sure what's what's floating around in there um i think my internal landscape is um very 
Well, I would say I'm going to say peaceful because I'm not kind of a peaceful person. Mm -hmm. So I think like I try like my internal landscape to be very calm. And so I usually some sort of body of water is around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Something like Um, like a lake where it's water moving around but not going anywhere or like a river that's it's it's heading it's heading with purpose in some direction. Like, I think more of an, like an ocean kind of setting, but a lake could also work. Um, I typically tend to, oh, this is one of the more pretentious things I've ever said in my life, but, um, I do kind of, I like, I like rivers. I kind of relate to rivers. Oh my God. Who relates to a river? That's so, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said, but name, I'm named after a river. So I feel I like I kind of gravitate towards rivers usually, mm-hmm. but not in my mind. I don't think. Okay. It's kind of like. But there, there is a, a there is water definitely in in your landscape. Yeah, and it's kind of salty, like the air is kind of salty. Okay. And it's kind of like like pinkish and like like almost like sunset but it doesn't have to be sunset time of day, but just like, it's kind of like kind of pinky and, and purple and orange and like calming. Huh. So maybe I'm off base with this question, but. So when you, are you like, when you, when you think about this landscape, do you feel like you are the landscape itself or do you feel like you are hanging out in this landscape? I feel like I'm hanging out in the landscape. Okay. Yeah. Do you, are you, I don't, is it a situation? I'm more of a river if it's me as the landscape. (laughs) Okay. So would you, would you ever, has it ever manifested that like there is a a river that's flowing into this body of water? Or is it usually just. No, but that could work. Okay. Huh. Now I'm going to have to go back and listen to all the episodes and see (laughs) what other people's landscapes are. It started with. Uh, Shreya, every person after, Sh- I think every, well, every person aside from when I had, uh, group, uh, recordings, um, every individual person that I've, re- that I've talked to since, uh, Shreya Harris, I've asked this question. Um, wow, that's interesting. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and listen to all of them and see what other people's landscapes are. I um, want to know. Mine is oh this is unless unless you've heard this on one of the the previous podcasts um mine is a big fucking open prairie with oh. like a couple of sh- like you know scrub trees but it's just mostly kind of flat maybe very uh casually undulating landscape and a big fucking sky um and sometimes I'm the landscape itself. Sometimes I am actually walking through the landscape. And sometimes I am watching myself wander through the landscape, which is a very a weird sensation. Oh, that sounds nice. And I think, I think part of the reason why, um, well, I think that this manifests it, itself in me in that, um, at least one of the ways that it manifests, that manifests itself in me is that it, in like my conscious mind or my conscious thinking center, whatever it is, um, it is quiet most of the time. 
Like there's not there's not a whole lot of actively moving through my head consciously at any in any given point in time. Yeah. There's a whole bunch there's a whole bunch of shit happening unconsciously, but in like the conscience center where I'm hanging out, I'm like maybe a tumbleweed or two just kind of rolls through, but that's you know maybe there's a bird overhead and some clouds, but <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, mine's quiet too, so I relate to that. Nice. Yeah. And, nice. And the last question that I have um, is, do you have any questions for me? Uh, it can be about anything, um, anything that you want to know. And since I said that we were gonna we were gonna redo this and ratchet up the drama, ask away. <laughs> oh no! Well, now that I know that you ha- still have baby teeth. I feel like I know everything. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that was what I was going to ask. Do you have baby teeth? Well, I'm, I'm glad that we, we got that out of the way at the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> um, so are you... I wanted to ask, like, are you turning your poems that you wrote in Vermont into a book? And if so, is it... When is it being released? <laughs> and when can I buy it? Um, well, I can answer the first part of that question. Um, yes. So, I, um, while, for listeners out there, um, while I was in Vermont, I wrote a at least a poem a day. Um, and I was up there for like 20, 28-ish days, uh, and I wound up with, I think, 31 poems. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, aside from one of them, I, I love, I love them all. Like, there's one that I'm like, you need some work. Um, but yes, my, my plan is to, um, have them edited and into a manuscript by the end of the year so that I can start shopping it around, um, the beginning of, like, starting in the spring of 2018 and see if I can get it published anywhere. Um, are they are they haikus? Are they not haikus? I just associate you with haikus because you write a daily haiku. Oh, actually, and... I I have, no, I have not been doing a daily one in quite a while. Um, yeah, that's because I'm out of touch. Oh. Okay, <laughs> but I do go back and read all of your daily haikus, and oh, so that's you. why I just associate you with haikus. Which well, is I'm hilarious. I'm honored to be, a, to be for that to be an association for me. Um, no, I actually I wrote <laughs> I think I wrote maybe two while I was there, but they, they're all um, longer-ish. I mean, none of the poems that I write are ever like super fucking long, um, but they are all significantly longer than three lines. Um, nice. Actually, I, I can... This will be a, maybe a little uh, tantalizing for, for the listeners. Um, once we're done, Shannon, I can, I can send you the... Uh, google doc link to them if you feel like if you want to read them although i don't i definitely want to be tantalized yet okay um yeah so i um yes the plan is to get them published um i don't know when that will happen but i'm hopeful i'm hoping sometime in like early-ish 2008 maybe i mean 2018 oh god That's awesome. Um, and then my follow-up is, does it have a name yet? Your collection doesn't have a name? And can you tell us? Um, Me? 
It no, it does not have a name yet. Um, I so I actually I have another um, another residency to go to in about oh two weeks. Nice. Um, so Fun. yeah. So I'm one of the things that I could potentially start doing, or one of the things that I could potentially do while I'm there is to start revising the poems that I wrote in Vermont. Um, and I would like to take the name of the collection. Actually, I'm going to stop this piano because it's it's too much. Um, <laughs> it did add very nice dramatic effect. After a while, like I stopped hearing it, and then oh whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping that I can I can find a title in one of the lines of the poems in one of the lines of the the poems that will be in this collection oh Um, gotcha yeah but i'm i haven't i have not i haven't really spent any time with them all together since uh the end of my time at the vermont studio center so i it's they're a little they're a little fuzzy in my head right now sure Um, makes sense yeah but yeah i'm i'm excited for them Oh, so yeah, this is... we are too. <laughs> I I know that you are. I don't know if other people are, uh, but I appreciate that. Um, so there's a lot of there was a lot of weird correlations between um, like emotionally wise between where I was in Vermont and River Ridge, which I was not expecting at all. Oh, interesting. And I think. Like, because a lot of a lot of family stuff and like stuff about my brother came up. Like, it, it started popping up in the poems, and I was like, "This is a completely unexpected development." And um, I think part of it had to do with the fact that, like, there was a, I mean, it was a small river, but there was a river that ran right through the center of the town that I was in. And I think being back in the presence of like a large moving body of water that you kind of like you can't escape definitely had some some weird correlations with um like the mississippi running through like the back chunk of river ridge but there is a a pizza place um that also doubled as a pub and the karaoke center on saturday nights and uh there was one there was one night after a reading i was in there and we were hanging out and i went to the bathroom and there was a uh framed poster for the, I want to say it was the 1979 uh, New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Nice. In there, and I'm like, this is a this is a weird thing to see. This is a weird coincidence of a of a pizza place in Johnson, Vermont. That so, is very. They're a long wave. <laughs> they are very far apart, Vermont. Yeah. So and New I I definitely think that there is some other weird, maybe like La Bray line. I don't know, like some other weird core like coalescence that was happening there. But I I have not. I have not quite been able to figure out exactly what it was or why it happened. Interesting. Um, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. It like the river showed up, like the river and the mountains show up in, Oh God, maybe like 85% of the poems. <laughs> um, well, write what you know. There, yeah. So. Um, so I imagine that it'll probably have something to do with like the river or the mountains or I don't know. Nice. But, if you have if you have any ideas when I when I send you the link to the the folder that the poems are in, um, <laughs> lay lay them all on right. me because I am at, at this point I am all ears. Okay, I definitely will. <laughs> that I will. Um, I think I think that that might 
just about cover it <laughs> for whatever the hell so number of episode this is in season two. Um, for episode as number, always, who the fuck knows? Yes, that's <laughs> this is um, this is what I've titled um, just so I'll be able to find it when it goes into my Dropbox. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so as always. Um, Thank you, everyone who's who's been listening. Uh, I, again, I apologize for not having posted or updated or just let anybody know what was happening for the last two months. Um, hopefully, this will make up for it. Uh, I apologize for the kind of random, occasional dropping out of either me and or Shannon. Um, I would like to get this episode up before the end of the, the day. Um, so I'll do what I can to go back and listen to it and cut out some of them but i might just i mean you know me i tend to not edit i might just leave it in just so everyone will have the same everyone will be able to experience what we experienced in recording. <laughs> um you know because i'm i'm all about just the uh the spontaneity and the the authenticness of art in performance um so uh yeah, I think that'll that'll do it. Um, I'll be back next week. Um, if you're listening to this on the oh fuck, what, I don't even know what today's date is. The twentieth. Um, if you're listening to this between the twentieth and I don't know, like the twenty fifth or so, I will be back that 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 weekend with another guest. Um, but yeah, so um, I have still yet to. I've yet to come up with a, a good sign off for this podcast. Um, and Shannon, I, I typically, if, if my guests have a good one or something that they've been thinking about for a while, um, and they yes, want to throw out a sign off, um, what I... you're more than welcome to, and to just make it a little more impactful. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't have a good sign off, but bye. That'll do it. Uh, so, um that that's that's a wrap for this episode thank you everyone for listening uh and to to quote shannon bye